Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And what is up? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. We are live from the Market on Main GC Live Friday episode of the show. Y'all know the drill by now. This is our final South Carolina versus insert opponent here every single week. This week, getting you ready for Gamecocks versus Vanderbilt. As you see, a beautiful day here at the Market on Main. Chris, we have been blessed to be under this, um, I would say, owning area right here at Market. Um, beautiful day to eat outside. Uh, beautiful day. Um, not going to be a beautiful day at Vanderbilt tomorrow from what I have read, but um, this would be a great place to come watch the, the game. we got the biggest screen in Columbia, I believe, right above our head. I believe they're still showing that South Carolina-Missouri game up there, uh, so avoid that at all costs. We'll see if the Gamecocks can bounce back from that loss, but um, we're diving into South Carolina Vandy. Final sort of thoughts here, and uh, Chris, it feels I don't know, man. It feels strangely like many of these Vanderbilt South Carolina games we've seen before. And what I mean by that is, yes, South Carolina should find a way to win the game. Yes, on paper they are favored. Yes, you would give them the edge. But you don't ever really feel completely comfortable predicting a massive win for South Carolina. Yeah, not at all. You know, last week, Wes, and I brought this up on the Gamecock Central Takeover on 107.5 the game. It, it, it wasn't Vanderbilt. It was Missouri that did it. But that you remember the 2007, going way back, 2007 Gamecock football team that started 6-1, and one, lost a basically inexplicable home game to Vanderbilt, I think 17-6, to six, and then went on to really lose all the next games. Next six in a row they lost. And so, if you're South Carolina, that's what you have to avoid, right? You have some tough moments, certainly at the beginning of this 2022 season, but you've gotten yourself in good shape, right? You're not six and one; you're five and two. You've lost to some good teams. Uh, you've beaten a good Kentucky team on the road. You finally get the Texas A&M kind of monkey off your back, so to speak. And then you have an opportunity to go break another streak against Missouri, get bowl eligible win five straight games, right, for the first time in a while, win three straight conference games for the first time in a while. And as it turns out, you don't do it. Again, it wasn't against Mandy, it was against Missouri. But now what you have a chance to do is go and rebound, right? You don't want to let that Missouri game beat you twice, as bad as it was. Not a good performance, really, in any phase of the game. Now you have another opportunity to go out on the road. It's a winnable game. South Carolina West has kind of taken the games that were swing games um, and they've kind of split them, right? Like, I, I think going into the season, we thought Texas A&M probably didn't have that as a swing game. It turned into one. You won the swing game on the road against Kentucky. You won the swing game at home against A&M. You lost it at home against Missouri. So can you go and get this one and, and get back on the right track? Because when you look at the schedule, you see what's ahead. Tennessee. One of the best teams in the country, the best team right now. Clemson, 
another college football playoff projected team. And Florida on the road, which despite the fact that the Gators aren't tearing it up right now, will still be a tough game. So this is a big opportunity that lies ahead for South Carolina. Yeah, and a win here takes some pressure off, I would say, of, um, you know, that, that, that Florida game, which a little bit of a swing game. But I, I look at these two games as being like Florida probably goes into that game expecting to win. Yep favored to win. Yep. It is a winnable game for South Carolina, but percentage-wise, you would probably give um, Florida the edge. I look at this game as the other side of that. Yeah, Van- Vandy could win the game tomorrow, Certainly. but percentage-wise, you give South Carolina the edge. There's a reason why they're seven. Actually, I think in some places now 6.5 point favorites in this game. Um, by the way, if y'all saw me typing and ignoring Chris and doing things right there, we're on location at Market on Main, which means we uh, do all of our producing as well. I think we're good to go now, and uh, we've got our special guest here lined up. We've got Andrew um, Allegheny from uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, tuning in, I believe he's already in the press box there. Um, Andrew, can you hear us loud and clear, man? I can. How are you guys? Yeah, Andrew, appreciate you joining us and uh, taking the time. I know you're busy. Um, Andrew handles all the uh, play-by-play there for Vanderbilt. He's going to tell us a little bit about these Commodores and what to expect this weekend. So, um, Andrew, I always ask, we have our guests on the show on Friday, um, if if our fans have not watched Vanderbilt at all this year, what is the first broad-spectrum thing that fans need to know about this Vanderbilt team? Uh, first off, where is Market on Main? Uh, that sounds like a fun place to be right now. Yes, it is uh, downtown Columbia. Um, we've got a great uh, outdoor eating space here. Andrew, there's actually – next year when you come to Columbia, come check it out. There is the biggest screen this side of williams Price Stadium above us right now. So it's like an outdoor eating area where you can come out, watch the games. Um, very, uh, I would say, high – this is not bar food. This is like high-level food, but yeah. a bar vibe on the outside. So really, really good spot to watch the games. What's uh What's the other primary place that people talk about in Columbia? Like that one centralized location that has a bunch of restaurants and bars and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember the name. Uh, you've, got, you've got the Vista and Five. That's the one. Probably- I'm thinking of yeah. the Vista. Yeah, I I love yes. Columbia. I will say that I'm a fan of Columbia. Uh, have been a handful of time, whether it's with baseball or I've got a good friend uh, that that works at the university uh, with the Moore School. Uh, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Columbia. Uh, regardless, your question. Um, broad stroke for Vanderbilt football this year. First and foremost, they have way more talents on the field than I think we're used to over the past couple of years. Other teams in the SEC are used to. It hasn't necessarily translated uh, into a different record in conference, and I get that, and that's sort of the name of the game, right? You've got to flip the wins and losses column. But in terms of playmakers on the field, It's a different level for Vanderbilt this season. It's a clear stride forward from a year ago, whether it's Will Shepard, who's one of the best wide receivers, at least in terms of catching touchdowns uh, in conference play. He's up there. Uh, Jada McGowan is exceedingly uh, fast, a freshman from South Carolina, not too, too far from Columbia, Uh, a kid that basically just got Ivy League offers and Barton Simmons and this recruiting staff found him and brought him to Vanderbilt. And he's been an impact player immediately uh, defensively. There's been some stars stepping up. C.J. Taylor has uh, two defensive touchdowns, including um, what was just a remarkable play against Missouri in which he jumped over a defender, was part of a forced fumble, scooped it up, and and ran it in for like a three-yard touchdown run. Um, There have been more elevated athletic plays on the field for Vanderbilt. The difference, obviously, is this is the SEC, and you've got to have 
not just elevated athletic play. You've got to have a ton of it across the board. So they're making strides in that. And I think that's been the clear difference about this team opposed to the past couple of years. Andrew, thanks for joining us again. Chris Clark here. When, when you look at this Vanderbilt offense, they've used a couple quarterbacks, right? Um, you've got Mike Wright, who is probably the more mobile option, A.J. Swan. Both these guys have done a really good job of taking care of the ball, but give Gamecock fans who maybe have not watched as much Vanderbilt this year some insight into why they use the two-quarterback system, how they utilize both those guys, and also update us on A.J. Swan's health, if you can, going into this game. So our understanding is AJ is expected to play all of that stu- sort of stuff. You know, that can change as you get closer to a football game. But our understanding as of now is that it's certainly looking like AJ will be the quarterback to go. Um, AJ is the guy. And if he's healthy, he's going to be your quarterback for all four quarters. Um, Mike is a nice change of pace because of his athletic ability. And if he comes in, he can put some stress on a defense uh, in ways that, Perhaps they're not ready for in the moment. Not that they don't know he's a running quarterback. They certainly do. Uh, But in the moment, it's just it's a change of pace, right? You throw a fastball, then you throw the change up. Um, AJ is a prototypical quarterback. He's a big guy. He's fairly elusive in the pocket. That doesn't make him speedy, but he's elusive in the pocket. He's got a big arm and he can find his receivers and throw into tight windows. Uh, He's a freshman but he's come with a tremendous amount of confidence and a tremendous amount of poise. I think that's man of all of the athletic ability he has. I think the thing that has stood out the most about him so far and coach Clark Lee has said this on a number of occasions is that there's no stage uh, too big for AJ Swan. And you could feel that he went to Bryant Denny stadium and you know, it wasn't a win for Vanderbilt. It was a difficult night offensively. Same thing with going to Sanford stadium in Georgia, but he did not feel overwhelmed by the scene, which most freshman quarterback uh, certainly could. Not all of them. You know, Trevor Lawrence wins a national championship. Bryce Young is exceptional. I get that there's plenty of people that have stepped in with confidence uh, as young players, but there's a lot that don't. And the fact that Vanderbilt has a quarterback that has that level of uh, swagger, confidence, et cetera, right on down the line, and he can pair it with some pretty good athletic ability that that jumps off the page big time. So, you know, Mike is there, um, but AJ's your guy. If he's healthy, it's AJ. Let's keep it right there with AJ. How much um, How much does Vandy use him um, in just, like, kind of running the ball here and there? Is there any zone read that they kind of mix in? Is, is it kind of one of those things where his athleticism just comes out when he has to maybe exit the pocket within the flow of a play? Or are there some designed runs within this offense? The reason I ask is we saw Missouri last week have some success running the ball with the quarterback. Um, Not one of these things where they're giving him the ball 20 times, but like just enough to keep South Carolina's edge, like defensive end guys honest. And it was very successful for them. I guess uh, in the same context, what can you tell us about this Vandy offensive scheme approach? Is it more run first, pass first? Exactly what are they sort of trying to, to accomplish from a scheme standpoint offensively? Uh, First part of your question, I would say there's a low percentage of quarterback designed runs with A.J. Swan. Um, To your point, probably just enough to keep defenses honest that he might do it. Uh, It's certainly not his forte. And this is just a gut instinct. This is not talking with coaches. You know, he got banged up against Missouri. Um, I don't know that they're going to want to risk too much uh, any additional entry with AJ. So 
I hunch that they're not going to lean on any sort of quarterback designed runs against South Carolina with him. Um, I could see Mike coming out and again, giving you that curveball to AJ's fastball, et cetera, or perhaps vice versa, considering a, uh, uh, Mike Wright's speed, him being the fastball. Um, in terms of uh, philosophy, it's certainly a zone read uh, run based offense. They sort of work off of that more often than not. I think they have found success uh, with the quick passing game, not necessarily like, you know, uh, swing passing or, or whatever it, they, they've done a good job finding some space over the middle when they can connect on those slants. And, and I will say one thing that they have found um, that I don't, you know, it, it, you got to be careful because if you miss the moment, uh, if the cornerback jumps the route, you've got to pick six. But they, they've just set up those like quick throws out to the perimeter and tried to let their speed guys be speed guys. Uh, Jaden McGowan went one-on-one with an old Miss cornerback and just torched him 40 yards down the sideline for a touchdown. Uh, last week against uh, or two weeks ago against Missouri, Gamarian Carter, who you know probably is not really on anybody's radar, but is kind of your third wide receiving option for Vanderbilt. He's got as much speed as Jaden McGowan, and they just threw a little pass out to the perimeter. They got decent blocking, and he was gone. I uh, got to be careful with that, but but some sort of combo of like leaning on the run game inside zone reads, trying to get that established, picking your right spots, and then a combo between you know. Um, you know, quick passing over the middle and some screens out to the side of the wide receivers. That's sort of where they are. Um, you know, Joey Lynch, like if you're like going through the lineage of where he kind of comes from, the offensive coordinator for Vanderbilt, he's worked at Ball State with a handful of different guys. He worked at Ball State with guys that used to coach with the Saints under Sean Payton. So we're not the Saints. We're not Sean Payton's offense. We don't have Drew Brees out there. But I think philosophically, as you think about where he comes from and what his tree is like, it it kind of falls down from there. We're not coming off the Josh Heupel, Tennessee thing. We're not coming off the Bobby Petrino thing from Louisville any number of years ago. There's a, there's a small trickle of down effect from kind of what Sean Payton has done for years or did for years with the New Orleans Saints. Good deal. By the way, Pete Wimbo, South Carolina special teams coordinator, former ball state guy right um, right and, and joey was the coordinator under pete and i think justin lutzig who's the special teams coordinator worked under there so like there's there's tentacles that i think kind of merge these two teams philosophically uh but joey's worked under pete he's worked under mike new who i think is still the ball state head coach if i'm not mistaken i think and mike new is the one that worked with sean payton with the saints so that's sort of where that comes from right good stuff so give us you gave us an update on AJ Swan, the quarterback from an injury standpoint. Who else? I know Clark Lee as presser earlier this week addressed some injuries. I think there were some guys he said that they were, you know, maybe questionable, maybe some guys that weren't expected to go. Who on this Vanderbilt roster that is a significant player, maybe that we've seen this season already, will not be able to go? Give us a kind of general overview of the injury situation for the Commodores. I don't think it's too bad. I think I don't know that there's anyone with that level of weight that can't go. Um, they've they've absorbed some hits across the offensive line. Uh, their left guard, Ben Cox, has been in and out of the lineup. So, you know, he could be a question mark coming into this game. They had a really talented freshman named Darren Agu, who's an edge rusher who uh, missed the most recent game against Missouri. He was dinged up a little bit. You know, I think his status is trending in the right direction so there there's there are people 
that probably don't hit quote unquote star status that have impacted the roster and, 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 and to an extent like South Carolina, although augmented more at Vanderbilt is the significance of depth. So while some of these quote unquote role players um, don't have the headline making name when you're at Vanderbilt and you're scratching and clawing for every inch of depth that you can get, um, some of those guys matter. I think one of the things that on the reverse, just for context for you guys, that has been great is that more people along the defensive line have gotten healthy. Um, there's a there's a young player by the name of Devin Lee who is out kind of for the beginning part of the season, and he's a talented defensive lineman, and he stepped up and made some plays uh, against Missouri, and they were lacking any sort of consistent pressure, pass rush, stop the line, uh, stop the stop the run game, get to the quarterback, whatever. Uh, for the first handful of games. And it really exposed the secondary. Uh, passing defense has been a giant question mark for Vanderbilt throughout the course of the year. The fact the defensive line is getting healthier, I think has now helped the defensive backs um, just do their job. Like they're left, they're left less on an island because now they can do, uh, and they, they can put some pressure on the quarterback and speed things up in, in that way. So, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler, I think, will have plenty of opportunities in this game to be efficient and throw the ball down the field and get some one-on-one matchups. But Vanderbilt's pressure has been better because the defensive line has gotten healthy. And, you know, I know Spencer has been a smidge inconsistent throughout the course of the year. So, you know, it could I could see Vandy coming up with a couple of picks too. Yeah, this is Andrew been an offensive line for Carolina that's been uh, sort of sort of up and down as well. Um, you know, when, when they've run the football, they've had um, – success parlaying that into some success throwing the ball when they haven't run the football well um they really kind of got their quarterbacks hit uh, way too much so i think that's definitely something to keep an eye on this week and um so uh, obviously this is a game i think vanderbilt probably goes into thinking um it's a winnable game for them i think potentially a tight game how do you sort of see this from like a game game flow standpoint as far as like key key matchups keys to victory from a vanderbilt perspective you know, something we've talked about internally here, I'm actually in the baseball radio pr- uh, press box. So I'm not over at the football stadium. Uh, we're at Hawkins Field and we've been, you know, doing some podcasts and talking about the game and all that kind of stuff. I keep coming back to Vandy's ability to run the football. Uh, South Carolina's defense statistically is better matching up against the pass. Uh, statistically, they're 11th in the conference in rushing defense. So statistically, Ray Davis, who's had a fairly decent season, but has been stuffed by really good defenses in Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, has a window to get back on track. And Vandy is not yet an offense that is built to survive operating in third and long. It's just not. Um, They need to be ahead of schedule. They need to be third and three, third and four. If you're third and nine, third and 10, I know this is not grandiose football conversation about schematics. It's just not a team that's built to survive third and long. Uh, So if you can take that inch of daylight that perhaps South Carolina's rushing defense has provided you by being 11th in the conference and Ray Davis can have a good game, then I think you're talking about something that is tight down to the wire, kind of like what we saw last year um, in Columbia. If they stuff Ray Davis, I, 
they Mizzou stuffed Ray Davis, and it took Vandy too long to figure out what's the second option, which is hard, by the way, because they're a, a zone read running team. And if you lose the main part of your offense and you can't figure it out, it's not easy to find your secondary pitch. Like if you're a fastball-based pitcher and you have to go to your curveball all game long, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, so it, to me, it's the run game for Vanderbilt. If Ray Davis is on track, if South Carolina's run defense provides the daylight and Vandy takes it, you know, I think Vandy can get out of here as a, as a winner. Yeah, and you can take pretty much everything you just said, and if you substituted South Carolina for Vanderbilt <laughs> into that part of the conversation, um, I know. <laughs> probably all still accurate. So who, whoever's in third and twos and third and threes offensively is probably going to feel, I, I think, pretty good about winning this game. Um, Andrew, man, we appreciate the insight. I know you're busy. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Great stuff. And uh, so uh, let, let's let you return the favor. Everybody here has got to come to Market on Main. Yeah. Where, if the Gamecock fans are traveling to Nashville, give us um, give us a, give us some somewhere off the beaten path. What's, uh, give us like a diners, drive-ins, and dives style um, place to eat at. Uh, put you on the spot. Where, where are we going? Oh, man, there's just so many good options. Um, and I'm not fluid with all of this stuff by any stretch. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, if you're looking to get kind of Nashville-y without doing the honky-tonk Broadway stuff, I don't know. Man, you can go explore Five Points in East Nashville. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in East Nashville. There's, you know, you can get outside of the the downtown orbit of Broadway and the Gulch or whatever. Um, you know, there's a bunch of places right here in Midtown. Uh, where where Vandy is located, right up and down 21st and off of, uh, you know, Hillsborough Village, which is where Pancake Pantry is. I, you know, you don't have to do that. Uh, but there's, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I would not label myself as an aficionado of places to go in and around this city. I just, I think if you explore East Nashville or if you explore some of the areas around Vanderbilt and kind of stay away from Broadway, uh, that's cool. Having said that, like, there's really cool spots. Like, if you, if you have not experienced Nashville, like, if you don't, if you haven't gone to New Orleans, you go to Bourbon Street at least once to be there, right? So there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, the credit card swipe just fine down there too. Uh, <laughs> we'll take it from an economic boost. So hey, man, whatever floats your boat. If you want the honky tonk, go get yourself a drink at Tootsie's and have at it. There you go. Awesome stuff, man, Andrew. We appreciate it. Um, enjoy the baseball today and uh, have a good call tomorrow. Okay. Take it easy, guys. Thanks. All right. Yep. That's Andrew. Allegretta, uh, play-by-play man for Vanderbilt. Appreciate him taking the time. He had a lot going on, so I, I, we always say, oh, we appreciate the time, but I genuinely appreciate him fitting us into his schedule. And um, what did we learn, Chris? Well, shout out Tootsie's. Yeah, you've been to Nashville, I know for a game. It's, it's been a long time. All right, so it's I don't been remember a while. anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we won't go into that. But <laughs> did you hit? You hit Broadway there, right? I did. All right. Did you go to Tootsie's? Tootsie's is a cool spot. It, it is downtown Nashville, and you can go. I did not experience this part, but apparently some of the celebs, some of the country singers will hang out there. Very cool spot. Uh, I know we got a bunch of people, West that we know uh, in Nashville right now. Kevin and Jen. Uh, Kreisen are down there. They're down there? They're down there. Kevin's first. I think this is Kevin's first true road game. Actually, don't challenge Kevin in beer pong. Is what I, that's what I heard. No, last week. Yeah, I know he's probably going to go in there and just destroy yeah. everybody in Nashville and leave as the champion. They're there. 
Barry and Allison Botterford. Shout out guys from Game, good Gamecocks. Game, guys from uh, Gamecock Bourbon Society, I think, are down there. So a lot of great Gamecocks. Roberts, West, uh, in Broadway. Great little honky-tonk place. Um, down at the Gulch, which Andrew mentioned, that is, that is a fantastic area of Nashville, too. So a lot of fun. But seriously, I had to, I had to get the food and drink in. Well, let's uh, let's stay there for a moment. If you're here for the it. chat, if you're a Nashville expert, all that stuff is, you know, out there for me. I, I don't know about any of it. So uh, we do have Colin Taylor is there. Michael yes. Saws is there. Kendall Smith. They're not there yet. They will be there. Give them a suggestion. Where do they mm-hmm. have to go? Um, I think they've all been. So I think. Yeah, I was talking with Kendall about Nashville the other day. I think they've, they've all been. been. But. They're big fans of Nashville, so give them give them some advice. But yes, back to the game. Back to the game. And by the way, if you come here, Market on Main, local Steel Hands, Tropical IPA, one of the faves. We're gonna have some food here in a bit, Wes. Fired up about that. I've ordered the Mom Burger, so it'll it'll be here shortly. Uh, Mr. Preston Thorne. Preston Thorne walking by. How about that? Back to the game, though. Um, interesting stuff there from Andrew. I, I like what you said at the end. It's like you take the game plan for either team and you just it's like all it's it's such of the typical keys to the game, like insert your keys to the game here, run the ball, stop the run, and don't turn the football over, right? But seriously, in this game, it really seems magnified in, in a game like this. Should, should we go to our like I feel like I just need to have a template for keys to the game for for some weeks where it's just like well, you fill yeah. in uh, you fill in the the blank of the opponent and but he he quite literally could have been talking about South Carolina yeah. like if they're if you're in third and two third and three offensively just on average probably gonna feel pretty okay yeah. about winning this game I, I think here's the two sides of this thing that I've, I'm kind of stuck on. I think yes, that yes, the offense has struggled this year. We all know that. That's established. Um, it's not a really good Vandy defense, and I feel like not that Carolina's going to go light it up. Like we we know that that's not going to happen. But I feel like because of what Carolina did is fresh on everyone's mind against what was a really good Missouri defense. Um, you know, you got people thinking South Carolina's going to score 10 points this week as well i think it's a little bit better matchup for them than that like can they go score 28 points this week like i I think that's possible man i mean they scored 30 points against arkansas like it's it's kind of a situation where we we always kind of remember what we just saw with our own eyes and that sort of skews how we feel a little bit but then the other side of that is how healthy is marshawn lloyd yeah. And this is a different offense with Lloyd in and healthy versus either Lloyd, you know, being out or just not being himself. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I've gone back to that. I mean, a a contusion on your thigh or quad or any anything with your leg as a running back, that's – I mean, I hate to say it like this, man, but it's true. That's like in the, the strike zone yeah. for where they tell defenders – to hit you so all it's going to take if he plays is one helmet to find that spot again and it just starts to tighten up again i I think so can they find some success this to me is where the offensive line itself has to create some holes in the running game not 
you know, there's enough room for Marshawn to be Marshawn, but you gotta you gotta create enough room to get these other backs going. And that's where I find question marks, you know? Yeah, the yards before contact metric. We were just going over it earlier today on the takeover hour. South Carolina, one of the best in yards after contact in the SEC, which just to be real is a Marshawn Lloyd metric. That's a Marshawn Lloyd number. And then on the other hand, yards before contact, not as good. Ideally, where you want to live is you want to be really good at both of those because mm. that means you've got really good individual players, which Marshawn Lloyd is. It means you're doing a really good job of blocking as a team. So what we do know is at the very like best case scenario, Marshawn Lloyd's going to be, what should we say, limited? Like he's going to be limited because he's not going to be 100% even if he does take some number of snaps and see some, num- some number of carries tomorrow. So that means it's Juju McDowell, it's Christian Beal Smith. There's been some talk about Dante Miller, whoever's in there. Jaheim Bell certainly can carry the football. You've got to find some ways to be able to get them involved in the running game. Maybe that's getting creative. But more than anything, it's just winning the battle up front and being able to run the football effectively when you don't have number one out there breaking a bunch of tackles, which is what he's done all season. So critical part of the game. And some an- some not some answers, some questions there for South Carolina that they're going to have to answer. Is this the uh, former Gamecock landing spot right now? We saw Preston Thorne walk by. Um, I think he rolled in here. I think that was Oris Lambert that just walked by as well. So oh, yeah. uh, you got some former Gamecocks everywhere down here. But um, yeah, man, I-, I think you're right, and it- it's just it's one of those games where, like, I, I also wonder. Um, how much of Jaheim Bell do we see in the backfield this yeah. week? Is this the is this the week, you know, some people have kind of rolled their eyes at the idea of Bell playing true running back. Um, but if you need to get him the ball and, you know, you, you've said yourself that um, Juju is more of an outside runner and, uh, you know, Bill Smith has been banged up all year long. At, again, at the very least, has not been able to find his rhythm because of that injury. So, you know, we can – we're not going to speculate on if he's still banged up or not, but just results-based, um, he hasn't been able to get going. So is this where you you put Bell in there and, and give him a shot to carry the ball six, seven, eight times and just see if somebody can get something going? Because it, 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 it's kind of worth noting to me, it is hard for a back to really get going with just a few carries. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I think um, – a lot of times we look at those small sample sizes and we're like, oh, that guy can't break tackles or that guy can't make anybody miss. There's kind of a feel to playing that position. Yeah. And you sort of – you get out there, you get loosened up, um, you sort of pound away at the defense, and you kind of find yourself – Mark, you know, early on in this season, I keep going back, Juju McDowell looked like South Carolina's best running back for a couple of games this year. And if you look at the numbers, believe it or not, he was the guy averaging five yards per carry the first couple of games. Marshawn Lloyd is clearly the best back on this team. Uh, so let me complete that thought. But it didn't completely show until they got him in a rhythm and said, look, we got to get this guy the football. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not going to completely downplay the other backs and say, oh, they can't run the football. They can't get it going based on these small sample sizes. Like, You've got you've got to find them room. I mean, 
does Juju McDowell need to carry the ball 15 times in between the tackles? Of course not. But if you give him a hole to run through in between the tackles, can he get through it? Absolutely. He's getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage all last week. So I I think we've gone a little too far the other direction with some of these other backs. Like I, I feel like we can have a nuanced conversation and say, Marshawn Lloyd, Marshawn Lloyd has been the best player on this team this sure. year, certainly on offense, um, arguably on this entire team. But you got to give these other guys a chance to sort of get going as well. So I think that's something to watch this week. If you force feed one of these other backs, can they find a rhythm and actually establish the running game that way? Otherwise, Chris, you're going to have to go Arkansas game plan and just throw the ball all over Vanderbilt or attempt to. And that's not where you want to live. You know, we, we have – a one game is that fair? A one game sample size of South Carolina throwing the football all over the yard in what would be what was it called rally mode, Wes? That uh, Marcus Satterfield mentioned on Wednesday. Um, South Carolina had a lot of success in that game. We knew that Arkansas had two safeties out, they had been having some issues in the secondary very early in the season. And I think Rattler went for what 377, something like that, almost 400 yards. But, again, that's not where you want to be living. You're, you're down for the entirety of that game. Um, you're having to put the ball in danger more than you want to. This team's identity, and we talked about this once it kind of got established, this needs to be and is a run-first team. Now, a large part of that identity is Marshawn Lloyd. And so you do have to get going. I kind of go back to last year with Lloyd. You know, we, we were joking earlier this week that Juju McDowell seems to be this year's Marshawn Lloyd of last year. Mm-hmm. Remember Marshawn, it seemed like, and, and I don't know what you attribute it to, he was getting hit immediately, like almost every time he carried the ball last year until, I guess, the Florida game. And it started to turn around a little bit then. He was still behind a couple guys. So part of that is just what you said. It's a numbers game. If you give a guy more carries and it's a guy as talented as Marshawn, He's going to break off some runs. So I think it's, you know, it's a coaching staff responsibility to be able to say, here's the personnel that we have or do not have available. Let's find some ways to help them run the football as effectively as possible. First 15 plays, your own script for South Carolina. We're going 15 play script now. Yeah, 15 plays of this game. All right. I'm giving I'm giving you a Pearson Fowler question in that uh, oh, you have God. no uh, <laughs> you have no warning no whatsoever idea. what direction this is going. Okay, but on script, is it more likely that South Carolina has called 10, 10 11 runs where they've just said we're going to come out regardless of who the running back is and try to establish the run, or is it more likely that South Carolina has come out and said? We don't know if we can run the ball. They're not going to say that, but this is probably their thought process. We don't know if we can run the ball today. We're going to establish some play-action game, throw the ball around a little bit early on, and then try to come back to the run. What is the most likely scenario? After after a couple of South Carolina drives, is everybody on the Internet saying, um, you know, one side it would be, oh, we can't run the ball, but we're trying, or, oh, we established the run, or are they saying, why is Carolina throwing the ball? Man, that is a really tough one. Um, I feel like I have, I have like a, what should be and a, what will be answer. Yeah. But I actually think I'm going to match them up. It, it should be to run the football because again, that is this team's best identity. Now we, what we don't know is the Marshawn Lloyd angle, right? They've had Lloyd available, had him healthy. 
And so the the identity has been to and should be to try to run the football. I'm still going to go there. I'm still going to lean there and say that they try to establish the run early. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a feeling that we'll see some Jaheim Bell in those situations, and that might be some – I might be true backfield stuff. That might be getting the ball in space, jet sweeps. But, but I feel like the plan should be to simplify things, try to run the football, try to throw the short passing game. But like you said, establish some play action. Yeah, I think they're going to maybe throw it more early on than we're okay. used to – just more than I we're used see to seeing just because um, not – I mean – uh, Andrew said it. He said, you know, this is a team that struggled to stop the passing game. Yeah. And uh, so I think there's going to be some opportunities there. Um, but as far as, like, how it's actually going to play out, I can't say I have a great feel because I could see I could see Carolina coming out trying to run the ball, and we're having this conversation of, wow, Lloyd really is that big of a missing piece if he is not in there. Yeah. And, and how much – how much of their their best strategy of an offense is to run the football is because of number one, you know? How much of it is because that's your best guy? Mm-hmm. Is your second best option to give the ball to some of these other backs, or is your second best option to sort of say, well, we're going to throw first, even if you're not throwing the ball down the field. Just, we saw them go to quick screen game um, against Missouri in the second half, and a lot of people were not happy with that. But honestly, watching the game, that was probably their best bet to have any chance to run the ball. I count a lot of those as runs. Um, that's probably what I would have done as well um, in the second half. Was good, you know they they actually got a few positive plays off of those, whereas they weren't getting anything from the running game once Lloyd went down last week. Um, and again, different defense, different personnel, different everything. But um, I'm just wondering if the conversation midway through the second quarter of this game. And a lot of this, I'm assuming Lloyd, you know, isn't himself at the very least, is the conversation, oh, Carolina can't run the ball, you know, without Lloyd being 100%, or is the conversation, oh, they stuck to the run and finally got one of these other guys going and some room and some rhythm and all those things. What that conversation is is going to determine a lot about how Carolina feels about this game because, you know, if if it's that second one – I could actually see them going and winning like a 28-14, 28-17 type game, and maybe it's not quite as um, nerve-wracking for Carolina fans as we've kind of come to expect. Mm-hmm. Or if it's there, they just can't find anything in the running game, then it absolutely is going to be – it's going to be a game where Vandy probably comes out, shortens the game on their end. That's – that's if you're Vandy, that's – you have the same playbook same mindset as what Missouri did last week, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a key question. Can can Vanderbilt replicate some of the things that Missouri did? When, when we were in the studio earlier, we were watching back some of the Missouri-South Carolina game, and Missouri hit some very simple but effective things in the passing game, basically using it as an extension of the run, like you mentioned earlier. Um, that, I mean, they had a third and eight early. They ended up scoring on the drive because they stacked to one side. They just threw it out. Somebody missed a tackle. It's a first down. They end up going down and scoring. Uh, another drive very shortly after that, it was a third and seven, third or six. Same thing. They mm-hmm. just throw sideways. They ha- Carolina has three defenders in the area and one blocker. Nobody makes the tackle. Bad mm-hmm. angles, not aggressive enough. So 
Andrew actually mentioned earlier that Vanderbilt has found some success with that. Yep. Jade McGowan, Will Shepard, who's caught a bunch of touchdowns this season, throwing some stuff sideways and letting those guys go and make a play. South Carolina gave up a bit, you know, a short hitch for a touchdown last year to Vanderbilt. So making those one-on-one plays, taking better angles, pursuing, that's going to be critical because that's the difference between, you know, you got a third and eight, you throw that out trying to play it safe. If you're Vandy, you end up with the first down. That's a huge loss for South Carolina. They got to be able to get off the field in those situations. So kind of both these teams, can you use the short passing game as an extension of the run? It's probably going to be important for both of them. Well, yeah, I think when you're getting beat up front like South Carolina did last week, you maybe try to make it a perimeter game on your end offensively versus their defense. The difference being other than, you know, they hit a couple, you know, Xavier Leggett had back-to-back plays for I think right at 10 or so yards where, you know, he was able to get ahead of steam and sort of use his size and speed to make something happen. But for the most part, Missouri was playing those, whatever you want to call them, the quick throws to the outside, the wide receiver screen game. Missouri played those pretty well and got up in there, pushed the blockers back, and made tackles, whereas, as you just mentioned, even on third and long, I mean, that that third and nine early on in the game when South Carolina was in a position to force a field goal and Missouri had, like, four eligible receivers <laughs> to the left and they just throw the ball out there. Again, it goes right back. Their game plan was we're not getting our guy hit. We don't yeah. care if it's third and long. We're not going to go drop back. Mm-hmm. Um, worked to perfection, I think, because they were willing to just play the game to a score. Like, they knew it was not going to take a bunch of points. They said – you know, that's a team that's had their issues with turnovers as well, much like South Carolina. But they said, we're not going to put our guys in position to turn the ball over. That's right. um, so, you know, credit them for doing that. How much of that does Vandy try to copy? How much of that can they copy? Um, a lot of times that depends on game flow as well. If you're, if you're A&M two weeks ago and you're down 17 nothing, you probably don't really feel like you can do that. You feel like you're chasing probably 30 points, 31 points in this game. But uh, for them, if you know if you're up, you can kind of do that and play to a smaller score. Um, how you doing, man? I have a burger with some bacon. Oh yeah, that's us. We got some food rolling up at market. Thank you very much. Chris getting the mom burger. Oh yeah. Are you good? What do we got there? The pulled pork sandwich with a side salad. Awesome, man. Appreciate you. Enjoy. Thank you. Yep. Chris, uh, what what you working with there, man? Working with a mom burger. Just look at this. Looks outstanding. Mom burger, add bacon, and a huge plate of their signature truffle fries. You don't call those fries they're here, right? You got to call them. Yeah, that's right. Frites. <laughs> Frites. <laughs> Frites. That, is, that is what they're called. With You're some right. special ketchup. A little special ketchup going on. And, of course, Steel Hands idea. Yeah, shameless on. plug there for our friends yeah. at Steel Hands. I went uh, different this week, man. Specials menu. Pulled pork. Yeah, looks great. Side salad because we're uh, – we're getting married soon, Chris. So we gotta, <laughs> gotta, we, gotta pair, we gotta pair our yeah. um, pulled pork with side salads instead of uh, frites. But um, <laughs> this is at Market on Main again. Uh, come on down Main Street, Columbia. Great place if you're not going to Nashville. Great place to watch the game on Saturday, and um, great place to come for lunch. Yep. Anyway, Chris and I obviously uh, get down here for lunch quite a bit, and uh, we've been mixing it up as far as what we get. This is your first time with the burger. First time with the burger, and I cannot wait to dig in. It looks outstanding. So my buddy Marty, shout out yeah. to Marty, I put him on this burger, and they have half-off burgers on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, put him on this, 
every time I see him when we talk food, he's like, man, that burger is amazing. So <laughs> there are some pretty good burgers yeah. in Columbia. That's one of the best ones. So go check it out. Market on Main. Again, um, they also had the Market Party Express um, down there at Cockaboos hanging out before the game. Uh, go to go to Market on Main's website. Uh, just throw it in Google, Market on Main, and um, you can uh, reserve a spot to hang out and tailgate before South Carolina's home games. I guess there's only one left at this point, right. the Tennessee game, for that. But uh, we appreciate Market on Main having us here, and I'm ready to dive into this food. Chris, uh, is it prediction time? I think we're getting close. Yeah, let's do it. You want me to go first? So yeah, you're up. I, I think, obviously, South Carolina has not shown in the past few weeks that they're going to be positioned to blow anybody out. Certainly the Kentucky game on the road was their best performance. And Kentucky had a late touchdown in that one to cut it to 10, but otherwise they played. They established the formula for what you need uh, to do. Uh, the Missouri game was disconcerting. Uh, there were some issues there that they've obviously got to get corrected. You also have. The fact of Marshawn Lloyd is not going to be completely and utterly healthy in this game if he plays. So mm-hmm. um, all those all those things factored in. Road contest, kind of weird and tough place to play. I have South Carolina in a close one. They do just enough offensively, rebound defensively with better performance. I have seventeen to ten South Carolina. Seventeen to ten Gamecocks. Um, where's your confidence level in that prediction, Joel? I'm never super high on a confidence level. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a medium o- on the win or the score. Either one. I, I'm see. Yeah, I'm still about medium on both of them. I would say. I'm eighty percent confident on a Carolina win. Okay. I'm five percent confident on how it's actually going to play out. Like I, yeah. like game flow. We've seen enough. Like game flow, we've seen enough for me to be like. You can't predict this offense for Carolina to score. That's a, bunch. a good point. Um, but I tell you what, man, I'm not I'm not an analytics um, all the way into analytics guy. But um, Will Helms has had some really good stuff on Gamecock Central this year. His uh, his computers <laughs> his computers say that people are way too bought into how bad the offense looked against Missouri, and that this could be a little more high scoring huh. than people think. And I'm not saying I'm predicting that. I'm saying I could see it because, if, like Andrew was talking about, if if Vandy's able to run the football, they they may be able to just possess it and have some long drives the way uh, you know the way Missouri did. And um, Carolina's this this is not a great defense, y'all. Like Vandy is improved, but this is a defense where Carolina should be able to should be able to move the football. Where they have to do it through the air, where they have to do it on the ground. Even last year, um, they didn't score a bunch of points in this game, and really they kind of put themselves in position to lose it. But early on, until Carolina started turning the ball over with fumbles, they were they were going up and down the field on Vandy early on. So there is a possibility here that the offense, just based on the matchups, looks better. A lot of times we like to sort of say. Well, this offense is good or bad. Really, it's about how good or bad are you compared to who you're playing. Um, so, I don't know, man. I, I think I said 28-17 South Carolina. Again, I think they'll win. I'm not super confident at all if that's how it's going to play out. I just sort of kind of 
picked a middle score and just sort of went with it. But uh, got to also tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. Uh, you can overcome your taxiety. Uh, shout out to our friends um, at Liberty Tax. Uh, they got three convenient locations right here in the Midlands. Uh, they got Irmo, Columbia, and Lexington. You got 1123 South Lake Drive, 7467 St. Andrews Road. That's in Irmo or 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia. Uh, they got local, convenient locations, a friendly staff. And if you got issues with the IRS, they will, hopefully you don't. But if you do, they will represent you and uh, help walk you through that process. Again, 803-462-5576. As always, shout out to our buddy Clint Hammond right above our head right there, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. We're about to eat. Chris, give me some final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. I mean, I, I'll hit on what you just said, Wes, and that South Carolina, from just either the eyeball test or some of the analytics stuff that Will does such a great job with, they could and should be able to move the ball against this Vanderbilt defense. But what you said about turnovers, again, I'll, I'll start and finish with that. Here we go. Well, look, that is the kind of the key question, right? I mean, you mentioned South Carolina moving the ball even last year against Vanderbilt until they started fumbling it. This year, South Carolina in their losses, eight to nothing. They are minus eight in turnover margin and SEC losses this year. So that's Missouri, Georgia, Arkansas. Vanderbilt not on par really with any of those teams uh, defensively, I don't think. But still, it's something that you got to watch for on the road. You got to play a much more clean game in order to be able to go move the football and score points. Yeah, but my final thought is um, as uh, our buddy Preston Thorne said earlier, this is win, win anyway. That's uh, right. Time. 100%. Get to bowl eligibility for South Carolina. Take the pressure off of this Florida game next week. It's going to be very hard to beat Tennessee. It's going to be very hard to beat Clemson in Clemson. So. You put so much pressure on that Florida game if you don't go ahead and get the ball eligibility this week. So, I think here's where I am. If they win this week, I see a scenario where they could beat Florida. Mm -hmm. If they lose this week, I think it's going to be really tough to beat Florida. So, uh, this is a true swing game at this point. And and, um, if they go execute enough, they should win the game. But we'll see what happens. Uh, This has been Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll have one more final little preview tomorrow with uh, myself and Kendall Smith before the sandstorm. She will be live from Nashville. Um, That'll be sometime on Saturday afternoon. But until then, appreciate everybody for joining us. Appreciate Market on Main. Appreciate everybody in the chat. And uh, we're going to eat. So we'll see you all soon. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.